do most agents who don't have access to the secrets that the top agents in our industry hoard to themselves grow and prosper in today's real estate environment? That's the question. And this podcast is the answer. I'm Pat Hyben, and welcome to Real Estate Rockstars. Rockstar Nation, this is Aaron Muchastegui. Happy end of June. Happy end of the second quarter of 2020. Man, quite a quarter the last 90 days has been. I mean, our our life is forever changed from just what we've seen in the last three and a half months. You know, this episode is one of those special end of month episodes. What you're going to have is you're going to have up in 25 to 30 minutes, you're going to get to hear the best bits and pieces of every one of the June podcast interviews that we did. You can decide if there was one that you missed that you want to go back and listen to the whole thing. So here we go. Hope you really like it. The very first one we're about to get into right now is episode 907. This was Instant Underwriting, the Future of Real Estate Transactions with Max Simkoff. Here's a listen. You had some experiences and were like, I, I think I can do this better. Tell, tell us about that. How, how did you start State's Title? Yeah, so I don't, I mean, I had no real estate background. I had no title and escrow background. I was, um, I was running a software company. I went through a mortgage closing for the first time and the whole experience was just perplexing to me. It was, first of all, it was like a time warp, right? When it was time to close, uh, my real estate agent said, Hey, you're going to have to go to the office of this title company and do your closing. And I was like, well, what is that? Like what, what is title? And that's where we kind of went down this black hole of, you know, she was like, well, you know, you have to buy title insurance. And I was like, well, what's that? And what's really fascinating, again, most people don't understand this because they don't, it's just not worth it to like that. But when you do that, when you get a new title policy on a refi, it's not for you. It doesn't actually protect you as the consumer. You're paying for a new lender's title policy to protect the new lender, the new security interest in the property, right? Right. And so that's where I was like, why am I having to do this, right? Like, I'm pretty sure what you're asking me to do is to indemnify myself against myself, right? Like, that's... It like, how about I just, how about we get a notary in here? I'll sign a certified affidavit, pay a hundred bucks and call it a day. Like nothing's happened in the last year. I swear. Exactly. I haven't done any you know work. And so that, that was the original premise for the business was when we, when I paid that fee the second time I said, I'll bet we could develop an algorithm to instantly underwrite refinance title insurance. And we could do it cheaper. Uh, we could do it faster. It would be simpler. Um, and that gave rise to the ultimate vision for the company, which is, to do the entire process, not just title, but closing and escrow, everything. Our, our vision for the business and what we've started building so far is to be able to do the closing instantly, right? You click a button, the, in, the title insurance is underwritten, the earnest money's funded, the disbursements are made, the recording taxes are paid, you trace your signature with your finger, everything happens, super simple, and it's better, cheaper, faster, right? That's that's the general premise. Okay, so what do you think are some of the other innovations people are going to see in real estate? So- other areas that, that we think you're going to see a lot of really interesting movement quickly, uh, application of predictive analytics and artificial intelligence. Um, one of the biggest ones is appraisal, sorely overdue for innovation here. You know, certainly it's helped in the last few years with these things called appraisal waivers that, you know, the GSEs, Fannie and Freddie have allowed for on certain loans that meet certain parameters to qualify for a waiver of an appraisal. But I think what you're going to see happening um, just by virtue of the fact that um, the licensed appraiser uh, population is aging out. You're not seeing uh, enough people replacing them. It's a hard 
profession to get new people to enter for a number of reasons. So those folks are aging out. It's an in-person interaction that's become much more precarious in the COVID-19 world. And so I think what you're going to see is um, a lot more loosening of regulation and a lot more innovation around using data in much the same we are way that we're doing for title and escrow to do appraisals completely automated to make that completely instant. Any any last things that you were, were hoping we were going to get to tell everybody out there? I mean, I mean, maybe the last thing I would say is just like in a time of obviously tremendous adversity and uncertainty, there is reason to be very excited about the future, right? Necessity is the mother of invention and the inertia that you mentioned earlier in our discussion that this industry has always faced because that's the way things have always been done. Now they're being forced to change. And almost all those things that are being forced to change around are for the better, right? This will be, this is going to be for the better of, of customers uh, and, and for everyone in the real estate market. It's going to be painful to get there. Um, but there's a lot of optimism for where this is going to end up. I'm, I'm super excited about the future. All right. So that was episode 907 with Max Simkoff. This next one is episode 909, Inform, Educate, Empower. This was our interview with Rod Watson. We were talking a lot about helping the nation heal. Here you go. Uh, what do you think we can do as realtors to differentiate ourselves from the pack and contribute to the healing that we have an opportunity to do? Well, I, I think it starts with awareness, really understanding, you know, regardless of where you are in the world, we all play a part in uh, bringing about change. And I always use this message, be the change you want to see in the world first. Start by, you know, really, like I said, doing your research, reaching out, having empathy, uh, communicating with those that, you know, may not look like you or do not, you know, uh, live in the communities or reside where you live or, or share the same background and experiences, but have an open mind about engaging and educating yourself about what you can do first and um, I think for us as uh, agents uh, across the world or, or just here in the United States one of the biggest things you know as you see these things unfolding before your eyes you may have relationships with black people or, or people of color that you value and that you've invested in but however ask yourself what more can I do you know how how deeper can I develop these relationships what what can I do with the power that I possess and that I hold as an agent to inform, educate, and empower this demographic or these demographics of black people or people of color, primarily blacks, because we know that a lot of black people faced injustice, uh, disenfranchisement, have been denied access to wealth. So with those relationships that you may currently have or carry, how can you plug individuals in that are, are, are uh, in position or are are seeking information to empower them, to help them take advantage of the opportunities that are before us when it comes to developing and building wealth through real estate. I think the biggest thing is just caring, you know, caring enough to say, hey, even though I'm comfortable, even though I may live in a good community, even though I may have a million or a hundred thousand dollars in the bank, there are other people that are out there that have been denied the opportunity to live and pursue, to have a pursuit of happiness and, and opportunities to grow wealth and build it. And a lot of them lack information and knowledge. So I think a lot of it starts around caring and then being a tool or a vessel, if you will, to start connecting those dots and doing what you can within your communities or your organizations and, and, and with the individuals you have relationships with to inform, educate, and empower. Rockstar Nation, this is Aaron Amuchastegui. Hey, I hate to interrupt the current podcast that you're listening to, but I am so excited to share this with you. I just finished interviewing the original host of this podcast, my good friend, Pat Hyben. 
You know, I got to talk to Pat about how he started his real estate career and a whole bunch of tips and tactics that he used to be successful. So if you haven't listened to it yet, go check out State of the Market number 49. On there, I get to talk to Pat about all those different things. You know, and in there too, he talked a lot about his six steps for seven figures book and training program that he built over the last couple of years. And I realized I haven't done a good enough job of reminding all of you lately about all of the resources that we've built for you out there. So if you want to check out Pat's course, we've got like a three minute summary video when you go to it. It includes so many easy to follow tips that you can follow on it like a day to day basis. You can email reminders, all sorts of different things that come with that course. You find that you go to rebusuniversity.com, R-E-B-U-S, rebusuniversity.com. Look at courses. You can find the six steps for seven figures book. And really there's a whole bunch of other courses in there too. Our normal prices used to be $1,500 or $2,000 a course. These are real deal professional courses. But now uh, during quarantine, a lot of them are priced down like 90 bucks, 95 bucks. So we've slashed the prices because we know right now is the time for everybody to be focusing on growth and education, especially while they're feeling like they don't have as much to do. And if you go in there and you figure like, like there's a lot of different courses you want, Maybe you don't want to buy the a la carte. You can go to futureofrealestatetraining.com and you can get access to all of our different courses for 97 bucks a month. I think there's a discount on there if you go a year or there's even like a lifetime option that you can pay. You get access to every course we've ever put on Rebus University for as long as we have it. So go check out those options, Rebus University or futureofrealestatetraining.com. All right, back to your podcast. Sorry for the interruption. One of the articles that came on Inman yesterday or day before, it said, this is not a time for marketing as usual, right? And it was telling your real estate agents like, hey, you can't go do your normal marketing, go do this in building your business. And so, and a lot of agents, a lot of our listeners do a ton of stuff on social media saying, hey, I'm listing this house. Hey, I'm doing the very, you know, promote themselves very well. Mm -hmm. Would you say right now while everything's happening, should they completely take a break from social media? If not, what is the way that they can market their business properly? You know, what do you think about that? Yeah, I don't, I don't think someone should stop. I think business does need to carry on. I think as long as they're aware and, and, and sensitive to what's going on around them and they're doing their part to engage and make a change or be a part of the solution, I don't think someone should stop marketing or doing business, uh, sorry, marketing on, on the internet or doing business. Maybe there are certain things they need to be cautious or aware of as far as their messaging and what they're putting out. But I think people can be, be creative and be unique in their marketing to show support, you know, as far as uh, unity and solidarity, as far as addressing and dealing racism in our society. However, from a business standpoint, we still have we still have to try and, you know, provide for ourselves and our families, regardless of what we look like or where we're from. Wish everyone, wish everyone well and the best. You know, we got a lot of work ahead of us coming up, you know, in the coming years. This isn't going to be over in six months, but I think if we all stay diligent in what, we, what, we're, what we're passionate about and what we believe in and we stay connected and unified, there's progress and unity. And as long as we stay unified, I believe we can start seeing the change that we want to see in this world and make it a better place for our kids, kids, kids that are coming into this world. All right. If you liked that one, that was episode 909 with Rod Watson. Next up, state of the market number 50, real estate giants speak out for social justice. They talked about Compass and Zillow. Have a listen. This just came out and it said the Compass CEO encourages agents to spend billions with black vendors. He's inviting his, his company, Robert Refkin, is inviting his company's approximately 15,000 agents to guide 15% of their spend to black owned companies or vendors. Now, Throughout history, there's been a lot of uh, things like this, proactively trying to, 
you know, right wrongs uh, by being you know, more proactive toward the solution. The, what do you think about what Compass is doing? I think it's a great idea. Uh, it feels a lot like when uh, we talk about buying local, you know, uh, that's, that's change. You know, there, there are big trade laws, right? And, and one thing individuals can do is uh, vote with their dollars. And I, and I do think it's important. Uh, you know, and I'll just take a little step back and say that we're not like any other industry. Okay, so there are yeah. lots and lots and lots of industries. Realtors represent the American dream. And we've got to do our best to represent all of, all of society in this very important uh, aspect of, of industry. Next one, on a, on a similar topic, right? So Inman posted, Zillow CEO Rich Barton signs letter supporting Georgia hate crimes law. Now, a lot of people would be like, well, duh, why hasn't that happened to the, so, you know, Georgia is one of the, you know, few, let me see what it said. It said Georgia is one of only a handful of states without a hate crimes bill on the books. And so, you know, Zillow, it's not real estate related, but, but the CEO of Zillow has big reach. He has a lot of listeners and he said, what can I do? Hey, we can help sign on to this. We can help push this along with leaders of three national real estate companies signed a letter asking Georgia legislators to pass a hate crimes bill. Did you check out that article? Did you see any of that this week? Yeah. Yeah. I'm in favor of, uh, of all the talk and I'm, you know, I'm a, I have a weak spot for actual activity, you know, that goes beyond the talk that people are actually doing things. And and it's great for our leaders to do that. Uh, One of the things that you and I talked about, and I really uh, applaud you for uh, letting us skip the line with Rod and putting Rod right up front is one of the things people just said, hey, you know, if you're not an ethnic minority, you know, one of the things we can do, like Rod said, is listen. Well, the best thing to do is like stop talking and let some people that have experience with this uh, talk. It took me from that, hey, here's the thing. I'm not racist. I don't have, I can, I can look in the mirror and say, I'm not part of the problem. And it, I'm embarrassed to say it took, it took, some education for me to, it took listening for me to figure out that I need to do way more than that. I would just continue to challenge our listeners to, you know, keep coming on, keep listening. I know that sometimes it's hard to go, Hey, what are we going to talk about with real estate news today? And, you know, kind of like what Rod told us yesterday, we said, Hey, are we still, are we, are we allowed to go do our business? Are we allowed to market? Are we allowed to do business as usual? And the encouragement and the recommendation that he gave us, and I would give all of you is like, yes, don't stop your businesses right now. We need to rebuild. Don't stop your marketing right now. We need to rebuild, but don't act like nothing's going on, right? Don't act like it's business as usual. Don't act like there isn't something like you need to address what's going on, share your opinions, educate yourself wherever you are in that stage and continue with business as you can within these new confines. All right. If you like that one, remember that was state of the market number 50. Next up, episode 910, YouTube lead gen for real estate agents with Malcolm Lawson. Give the listeners kind of uh, just a cliff notes of, hey, this is if you're going to do a video for YouTube or Facebook, here's the difference between them. You can't record a video and put it on both, right? Yeah, 100%. So Gary Vaynerchuk often talks about creating native content. And kind of what he means by that is a video that's optimized for Instagram is very different than a video optimized for Facebook and very different than Snapchat and very different than YouTube. And how you kind of structure those videos and optimize them for that platform, they're all very, very different. And there's not much crossover with the video that does well on Facebook and on YouTube as well. There's a little bit of a crossover. There's a couple of topics that do well on both, but for the most part, it really is a different type of content. And so if you 
think about a Facebook video and how you see that. You first see it uh, in your feed with no sound whatsoever. 85% of all Facebook videos are played without any sound on it. So your first challenge for the Facebook video is to do something to get their attention, to get them to unmute the, uh, the video. And that's your first challenge with a Facebook is that those first few seconds need to be very visually stimulating to get their attention. On YouTube, people just interact with the content differently. What they're first presented with is your title and your thumbnail. So you need to have a really good title and a really good thumbnail that compels them to want to click and watch your videos. And that's really where a lot of people screw up is they don't put enough um, emphasis and time into their titles and their thumbnails. And then after they watch that, you know, there's a lot of clickbait on YouTube. So people are very skeptical. And so I like to kind of reinforce what we're going to talk about in the video in the first few seconds of the video, and then try to come up with some sort of hook at the very start of the video to really get their attention and um, kind of hype up the value that they're going to get out of watching the video. That's really what a hook is at the beginning of the video. And yeah, so kind of the, the topics that you cover that do well on Facebook are usually pretty different than the ones that do well on YouTube as well. Rockstar Nation, this is Aaron Muchastegui. Hey, I hate to interrupt the current podcast that you're listening to, but I am so excited to share this with you. I just finished interviewing the original host of this podcast, my good friend, Pat Hyben. You know, I got to talk to Pat about how he started his real estate career and a whole bunch of tips and tactics that he used to be successful. So if you haven't listened to it yet, go check out State of the Market number 49. On there, I get to talk to Pat about all those different things. You know, and in there too, he talked a lot about his six steps for seven figures book and training program that he built over the last couple years. And I realized I haven't done a good enough job of reminding all of you lately about all of the resources that we've built for you out there. So if you want to check out Pat's course, we've got like a three minute summary video when you go to it. It includes so many easy to follow tips that you can follow on it like a day to day basis. You can email reminders, all sorts of different things that come with that course. If you find that you go to rebusuniversity.com, R-E-B-U-S, rebusuniversity.com. Look at courses. You can find the six steps for seven figures book. And really there's a whole bunch of other courses in there too. Our normal prices used to be $1,500 or $2,000 a course. These are real deal professional courses. But now uh, during quarantine, a lot of them are priced down to like 90 bucks, 95 bucks. So we've slashed the prices because we know right now is a time for everybody to be focusing on growth and education, especially while they're feeling like they don't have as much to do. And if you go in there and you figure like, like there's a lot of different courses you want, Maybe you don't want to buy the a la carte. You can go to futureofrealestatetraining.com and you can get access to all of our different courses for 97 bucks a month. I think there's a discount on there if you go a year or there's even like a lifetime option that you can pay. You get access to every course we ever put on Rebus University for as long as we have it. So go check out those options, Rebus University or futureofrealestatetraining.com. All right, back to your podcast. Sorry for the interruption. I'll tell you the single videos that generate the most amount of leads is kind of like a relocation guide style video. So everything that somebody would need to know if they're relocating to an area and, you know, depending on how big the area is, you know, that video may not get a lot of views, but the viewers who watch a video, like my video, 10 things to know before moving to Maryland, people who watch that video, like they're most likely moving and going to buy a house. So you're really targeting like a very specific viewer of that who's much further along in the buying process. And those are going to be the ones that really generate uh, a lot more leads. How many hours a week are you working? Last year, I was working like 60 hours a week. I mean, I was working seven days a week. 
this year I, I really am kind of taking my foot off the gas pedal a little bit. Uh, I mean, the great thing about YouTube stuff is that, uh, so that video that ranks on the first page of Google for moving to Maryland, I made that video three years ago and that video is still generating me leads. And I'm at the point now where I just passively just have all these leads coming in and I don't have to work as hard. All right, that was episode 910. If you want to go back and listen to it again. And up next is episode 911, talking about the best buyers in the business, real estate investors with Adam Whitmire and Jared Garfield. How many investor clients do you guys write offers for now? Is it just, is it one or two people that you're buying and selling a lot of deals for? When you do those, do you have to do reduced commissions? No, no, not at all. It's right now, it's mostly individual investors. So one investor will sell maybe one, two, or three properties. And we sell the other properties to other individual investors. And sometimes we've even done 1031 exchange where we've sold 30 properties at once. And that's been, been a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. But we've got about 5,000 investors in our database that buy from us on a regular basis. They're repeat buyers. And I think that's one of the opportunities for agents to be able to get into the investment uh, business and make sure that you've got a database of people who come back to you again and again. They buy from you. Then they often will flip through you. So if they're, if they're buying it, that you, you're going to get a commission on the front end. You're going to get a commission on the back end. And then you may end up reselling it five years later sometimes. And I, I really like that aspect of it. That's an amazing point. So, I mean, we're talking, we always talk to you guys, all you listeners out there about building that database, about building that database and reaching out to that database and growing that database through time and how people grow it. Something that Jared and Adam have talked about here though is, so if your database is people that are buying and living in their home, they may do a couple transactions with you in their lifetime, but chances are they're going to buy a house, live there for five years, call you back five years later. So maybe you should do two or three, but if you have an investor in your portfolio and you do one deal for them, there's a much better chance that you're going to be doing a deal for them every year or a deal for them every, you know, a few times a year. So if you had 5,000 investors in your database or 15,000, you know, end user buyers, I would say the 5,000 investor database is going to get you more transactions. What was your biggest secret of building that list of investors? You know, Jared, I think when in the beginning we didn't have a list, actually, I think, um, we Jared were going out to HUD homes because anybody could advertise and listing them. And we would shoot YouTube, we would shoot videos mm-hmm. and, and post them to Facebook and, and, yeah. and get tons of buyers who wanted to buy based on seeing our videos on Facebook. That's how we started. Uh, honestly, though, you know, now social media has become, you know, what, what it is with Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and LinkedIn. There's so many more ways to network people. And sometimes I always think to myself, so, or, and, and we, people always ask, so do you have to go get an investor first? Do you find the deals first? Is it a chicken and egg thing? And I always default to property first. Go find the deal. And that's the way Jared and I started. Go find the deals, market those deals, and then buyers come. What are the things that, impo- that investors are asking you for statistics? Like if, they're, if you're, if you're going to bring an investor a deal, what is the stuff that you put on that email? So now we have pretty good performance. The performer tells everything, but we want to give them what the cash on cash return is, what the cap cap rate is. Uh, We want them to be able to know how much cash flow per month they're going to have. Uh, We give them comps uh, so they can see what the other properties are selling for so they can see that it may be an equity position. Um, And and so it's a lot of that. Calling cost, out-of-pocket cost, things like that. All right. If you liked that one, you want to go back and listen to it again. That was episode 911 with Adam Whitmire and Jared Garfield. Up next, episode 912, former Keller Williams CEO, Chris Heller on how AI will change real estate. When were you the CEO of Keller Williams? January of 2015, I became the CEO and I was the CEO till I left in April of uh, 
17. So about two and a half years. Now Ojo is your new business. Did yeah, you so go from I, Keller Williams straight to Ojo? I, when I left Keller Williams, I became an early investor in Ojo as a company. And then uh, an advisory board member and then ultimately a board member. I joined Ojo full-time last July. Um, so really, Ojo is a, uh, a, a company, a technology, a service, a platform for consumers to be able to get their questions answered, thus Ojo knows. So if a consumer wants to ask questions about real estate, about properties, um, just through SMS on their phone, they can not only look at properties. We uh, acquired a company called WolfNet, which is the largest aggregator of MLSs in the country. We're a licensed broker in 50 states, so we have all the inventory. Uh, but as consumers interact with Ojo and Ojo learns about the consumers, uh, their preferences, their kitchen styles they like, their commute times or any other things that characteristics about a home or a neighborhood, Ojo then is able to start to share back with the consumer uh, properties that are better fit for what they're looking for. We also have the ability to answer a lot of questions that a consumer can't get answered other places. Um, if you or I go on to Zillow and look at properties, we can certainly see the bedrooms, the bath, the, the, the photos, the neighborhood and that. But if I want to know if there's a view from you know, the secondary bedrooms, the only way to find that out is to call the listing agent or the seller. And as a consumer, I may not want to engage with an agent at that point. You know, I just want a question answered. And that's where Ojo comes into play, where consumers can ask questions and get answers and, and not necessarily have to engage with a human when they are ready to or want to engage with a the human, then we have the ability with our technology to quickly uh, in a live transfer connect them with a, a real estate professional or a loan officer or a service professional. So it's still is, so it's an information kind of exchange, kind of like realtor.com. And it's an information exchange to be able to maybe create, turn them into a lead later for someone. That's yes. And, and yeah, yeah. And it's, and really it's all based on the, the, the artificial intelligence that, that we've built and continue to, to build is what allows Ojo to learn about the consumers and to then feed them back information that, that fits their preferences. You know, we all look at properties, it's not, you know, almost everyone looks at properties online, whether it's, you know, vacation places on uh, Verbo or, or properties on Zillow and stuff on Amazon and everywhere else. And some of these companies are getting very good at taking what your preferences are and then serving you back products or services they think you'd like. And, and Ojo does that with real estate and real estate properties. You know, for, for the agents out there, you know, as things are starting to open up and we're coming into the summertime, um, I think agents will start to get back into a routine they were in. The really good agents are the ones that really never got out of those routines. Sure, it, it, there was a little, a little place, a little piece of time there where it shook people and they go, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? But, but the good agents and, and the good business owners said, okay, what do we need to do? What are the opportunities going to be? Uh, there's going to be, as we talked about earlier, a lot of opportunities. And for the agents that are um, building new relationships and, and especially deepening the relationships they have with the people in their, in their sphere and in their database, those people will remember you if, if you do a good job of, of doing that now. All right, that was episode 912. If you want to go have a listen again, next up, coming episode 913, transitioning from real estate agent to investor with Ryan Murdoch. And what are you guys doing? So do the the, the you know the elevator pitch for what is open door capital. 
Sure. So Open Door Capital, we, we decided to, to focus uh, exclusive, exclusively on mobile home communities. We love it. We think it stands out from other asset classes in a sense that it's different from apartments in a sense that we are targeting mobile home parks that are, you know, typically if everything's perfect, 60 to 70% occupied, which means you've got 30% vacant lots. And, and our value add strategy is, is to infill those those vacant lots. So uh, unlike, unlike an apartment complex where let's say you've got, you know, maybe rents that are well below market or you think you can go in and spend whatever five to ten twenty grand a unit renovate these things and, and crank the rents up three or four hundred dollars a month uh, mobile home parks can be operated as they are with just infilling the vacant lots and you can add massive value from just doing that so e- even in parks that we've purchased or that we're underwriting that maybe rents are well below market that's not our strategy I and mean, you go in and, you know if lot rents at 200 bucks a month and market says it could be 400 there's no better way to end up on the evening news and just going in and doubling the rent on a mobile home park. So we'll model that we'll, we'll raise them very gradually and it may take five or 10 years to get them to where they need to be. But the big value of that is through filling vacant lots. So we'll, we'll identify a park once we buy it, we go in and the, the, the best way to, to have a lot filled is to have a tenant bring in their own home and set it up and start paying lot rent. Uh, unfortunately, that's not. But what we'll do is we'll go out and buy homes, either new homes or used homes, bring them in set them up on the lot, get them so that they're turnkey, and then we'll sell those off to to tenants so that they'll buy the home and then they're just paying us lot rent. So uh, let's say we have fifteen or $20,000 into bringing a home and getting it set up. Even if we break even on the sale, or sometimes we're even willing to lose a few thousand dollars on the sale of that home, by activating lot rent on a, on a lot that was otherwise not generating any revenue, we've just increased the value of the park. So we've increased the monthly cash flow and the NOI, and as a result, the, the overall value. So now as an open door, you guys are buying houses all over the place. Now, one of the yeah. most fun things that I've seen and the, the thing that I wanted to kind of ask you on the show to come talk about, I thought was so fun, is we, you guys have been pushing it on social media. So it's been bringbrandinadeal.com. I think that's the thing. And, and so <laughs> you guys Brandon, have said, hey, yeah. find yeah. us a deal. Find us an off-market yeah. Uh, mobile home community yeah. and if we buy it we'll pay you guys a giant commission yeah no that's been uh we, we rolled that out i don't know two months ago and have been promoting it pretty heavily and it's we've, we've had a tremendous response from that so it's bring brandon a deal.com and what we're promoting is that if if anyone brings us a an off-market it's got to be off-market mobile home park and gives us a warm introduction to the seller and that could just be an email to the seller like they have they have some sort of direct relationship with the seller and we'll take it from there they're not brokering the deal they're not involved with it they can be included in some of the transactions if they're curious but we we take the wheel and drive uh if we close on that park we'll write that person a check for for fifty thousand dollars what do you think the the biggest opportunities for real estate agents are going to be over the next over the next year? What I have always found amazing is there, and, and maybe the, the the listeners of your show are a little different, but how many agents are out there that are not real estate investors? Like they just run around, they're showing other people good deals, but they just for whatever reason think that they can't do it, they don't want to do it. You know, and I've seen just just great deal after great deal getting brokered by by an agent that 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 owns no real estate. It's like, why didn't you just grab that for yourself? I, I wish more agents would would take the opportunity, take the initiative, and and start investing in their own deals. I mean, even if you don't want to manage your own property, if you're out shaking the trees hard enough as an agent looking for other buyers, you're you're gonna find deals that work as you know full third party management. Like you can be totally hands off and buy stuff and and increase your own portfolio. And I think over the next whatever year two years three years there's bound to be 
some good opportunities popping up there for from, for for you know all the reasons that the that the economy is going to be taking a hit. That I think there's going to be some great buying opportunities, even for either for flips or or long term buy and holds. So I wish people, I wish agents, uh, in general, and I know I'm generalizing, but would just kind of open their field of vision and and, and and grab some of these opportunities for themselves. All right, that was episode nine thirteen with Ryan Murdoch. Next up, we have episode nine fourteen, Lior Rosansky. So you started started investing and then you decided you wanted to become a real estate agent. How did you, so you were, you had, you had done your four years in college, you were applying to med school. And so then you just knew that you were looking for investment property. Did you kind of like, what, what, what made you think, Hey, I'm going to go buy this multifamily? You know, like everyone does, they do a little research on investing, what they can do. Um, So I picked up a book on real estate and it kind of just made sense to me and ended up kind of pulling the trigger pretty fast. For me, it was a mentality but look if i go broke i'm 23 years old what's the worst case <laughs> so i just kind of went for it yeah i hope that more 20 somethings hear that and listen to it right lily now is the time to swing for the fences because if you miss you'll have plenty more times to change and there you know and we've also had plenty of people say hey it's never too late to become a real estate agent at 50 you can become a real estate agent because you'll get to use all of those different relationships you've built throughout your life but if you're young you can take bigger risks take bigger swings at the fences and yeah worst case is you lose and you go start something else the big thing is just consistency right i mean if you do it every single day and if you're diligent about follow-up right you're, it's gonna happen i mean i can't tell you the number of times i had sellers you know when i called them up for like the sixth time like six months later be like oh wow you're still calling me all right let's meet <laughs> you know it's just that conversation happened so many times um or they would tell me something like oh wow you called me a third time and i really like your energy like let's get it going right it's just if you just keep hitting it i mean you don't even need to be good at it right it's just it's the, the persistence and the volume will get you there so how did you get how did you do those deals the first year where did you do you get them from friends and family do you, you know how did you how did you get those were they mostly listings mostly buyers agents leads our two biggest spokes of business is prospecting right which is the expired and the fisbos as well as working with investors and what i really thought when i bought my property you know for me, it was actually kind of like a gold stamp that I could kind of tell everyone, like, look, I've got a property, I'm an investor. And, you know, it's kind of a fake it till you make it kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, so I would tell them, you know, I would tell people all about my experience. And what one of our main spokes of business ended up being uh, the, the blog Bigger Pockets. You know, so that's how we ended up connecting with a lot of retail investors, a lot of younger people like myself, right, that were trying to break into their first deal, um, you know, and I would just give them my advice, right? Give them my experiences based on what I knew. And I ended up building those relationships over bigger pockets by providing value. And eventually they, you know, they became a really big source of business for us. So when you start your day, are you like, Hey, I'm doing two hours a day on my branding and I'm going to go to go to two hours on this. Or are you, what are you, what's your balance? You know, when I first opened the channel, I didn't really get that much. Um, but once I committed to doing two to three videos a week, um, now for almost five, six months. Now I'm not, I mean, this past weekend, I got three inquiries off of YouTube. And then in terms of your original question where you asked, like, how do you balance it? I think that's huge. I, you have to, it's kind of like with expired, right? You have to allocate time for it every single day. So for me, you know, I'll probably spend at least an hour or two uh, between all the different social platforms, everything we've got going on two to three times a week, you know, I'll budget in an extra hour or two for video editing. Um, hopefully one day I can outsource that, but I'm not quite there yet, you know, so, but yeah, it's, it's really just comes down to allocation. I've got a couple of hours for social 
you, I still got I still put at least one or two hours of follow-ups every single day where I hop on the phone. Um, and then the rest of the time is either spent on investment, showing clients, showing listings, whatever it is. Yeah, Lear, you have, you have an awesome story, man. All right, everyone. And that is the end of our June highlights. Hopefully there was an episode in there that you realized you missed and you want to go back and listen to it again. And as always, if you love our podcast and love what we're doing, we so appreciate reviews. We would so appreciate if you share it, if you tell your friends on social media, you email them. If there are real estate agents out there that are trying to learn how to succeed, you know, we want them to be listening to our podcast. Please help us share the message. Thanks. Rockstar Nation, thank you for listening to Real Estate Rockstars. Listen, I need a favor. If you find this free content helpful, if you find our downloadable items from each guest helpful, please, I need you to pull out your pointing finger, yes, the one finger that points at people, and hit subscribe. Yes, subscribe. The more subscribers we get, the better we look in the ratings and the easier it is to get guests like Robert Kiyosaki, Barbara Corcoran, all the players that are on the million dollar listing in the different cities. All that stuff makes it easier the more subscribers we get. So please subscribe. And listen, there's a lot of places you can leave comments. There's a lot of places you can like. We're on Facebook. We have an Instagram page. Instagram page is I am Pat Hyben. The Facebook is Real Estate Rockstars Radio. Feel free to leave us comments there. The most popular form of commenting seems to happen on YouTube. Yes, for whatever reason, it's a very open environment. So just go to YouTube and go to Real Estate Rockstars Radio and leave us comments there. Some of them we will read on the show. And we love your feedback. So thanks, guys. And I hope you are having a great day. Oh, and also, listen, if you're going to subscribe and you haven't already left us a, a review on iTunes, please do that too. Have a great day, and thanks so much, Rockstar Nation. I really appreciate you. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.